Welcome to the Bare Naked ABCs, where we discuss every Bare Naked Lady song from 7 to Y. We also discuss every type of stone available, whether it's opal, tourmaline, and even moonstone. And joining me tonight, we have... Bob. Jeff, Stefan, and Heidi. I was going to let you introduce yourselves, but that didn't oh, oh. You, you didn't tell us that beforehand. Yeah, no. I picked up on it. You got to prep that. Come on. Okay. Wow. Wow. We're going to do something different and not tell you tonight. Exactly. Right. Well, I got to keep stuck. it a little fresh. I'm now for something lady. completely different. <laughs> So tonight we are discussing the song Moonstone. Having said my point of view, I really don't want to bother you. I will see this whole thing through. I really don't want to bother you. Stone off from no album. It, it was just a extra for amazon.com purchases. Um, and that was the only place that you could actually get this song, interestingly enough. Um, or you could go on to uh, BNL Archives and, and download that, which is how I got a hold of it because I did not buy this through amazon.com. I bought the actual disc. Yeah, it was for All in Good Time, the album after Steve left. So it's a song about how much they love Steve. Steve, we there we go. We Steve it. was their moonstone. No, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> this is one of those the few songs on this album that's not about Steve. No, it's no, not. Not about Steve. Not about Steve. No. Um, do you guys know what the original name for this song was, though? Ooh, do tell. The original name for this song actually it makes a lot more sense than what they ended up coming up with. Sapphire. It was originally shoulder. Oh, okay. Makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, shoulder the winter snow. Which shoulder the snow makes a little more sense because it's in all the verses, uh, our choruses. But Moonstone is only in the bridge (laughs) once. Right. Not quite sure why he why he decided to go with that, but uh, I'm sure we'll get to it tonight. Yeah. Um, But. would anyone like to start the discussion around either the lyrics or around the music for this song? I would like a breakdown. Can anyone do Hey, Heidi, give a breakdown. <laughs> I have the yeah. breakdown. All right. So it's Thank in the you, key. Heidi. You're welcome. It's in the key of D major, no capo. Um, so it's, it's in D major. Um, and it's a ba- very basic one, five, four, five progression throughout the first verse. And then he shifts, and it's really interesting because he does the four or five with the I will, and then he goes back into the one. I will shoulder the winter snow. So he starts the chorus on the four chord, which is really interesting. It follows an A, B, A, B, A format, except the interesting part is the second chorus is different from the first and third. The first and third are the same, but he shifts the lyrics slightly 
in the second chorus. So that's the basic breakdown of the songs. Very simple, very, you know, it's got some beautiful Kevin work in here on the keyboard. Um, it's just, it's so beautiful. And because it was written, does anybody know what it was written about? The Titanic. Yes, it was actually written <laughs> Might as well about have an idea. the Titanic. Because <laughs> he's looking at the moonstone as he's sinking <clears throat> beneath the cold waves. Well, I did a little digging. He's and like, I will shoulder the snow for you. He's like, thanks. Exactly. There was a You're lot of ice. Live. There was a lot of snow in the no Titanic. Yeah, right. there was a cold winter day. Go, a cold winter day in April. I'll never when let ship you go, runs into it. When a ship runs into an iceberg, it does shave off. You know, it could have been snow. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they did. Gary, oh my goodness gracious. We're off the rails already, friends. <laughs> Some of us. Way to go, Jeff. Way to go, Jeff. What? what? So um, BuzzFeed did a little. Um, or BuzzFeed, I think, did an interview or vice versa with Get Bare Naked, that site. And they did a lot of the non-album tracks, including some of my favorites, but including also this one. And um, according to Ed, he talked to the AV Club and it he wrote it shortly after his mom passed away. Um and he has said, and this is quotes uh, from Ed, that we've only played it a few times and I've never been able to play it without crying my way through the song. I really love it. I'm really proud of it, but it's really hard to play. There are a couple mm -hmm. of songs like that. I guess that means they're successful or that you've tapped into something in yourself or expressed something, but they're still hard to approach in some way. Ed Roberts. And that's what makes him good. Yeah. And supposedly right. that's the reason he kept it off the album as well was because he was not able to play it without crying. He did not want to have to play it consistently in concert. Mm. Oh, I thought it was uh, for like um, possible infringement issues. Please do tell. I'm not... A, a... Oh, well, you know, as you're listening to the song, towards the end of it, it has... The piano that goes din 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 din. Like the Lumineers, ho oh, hey. You know, this was um, before that though. It was. Well, you know. <laughs> but I was going to say that actually is very. You yeah. almost have to wonder if the Lumineers did take that from from this because it is almost exactly the same uh, mm -hmm. i didn't know who came first this chicken or the egg but uh <laughs> good to know i will say one thing that's sad about the story of this song is because he had does have so much you know trouble playing it and they kept it off the album i gotta say one thing about this song is i think this is some of ed's best vocal work Absolutely. like hands down like i think yeah. i don't think i've ever heard ed sound as good as he sounds in this song very vulnerable yeah that's what yeah, makes it's, it it's it's beautiful <laughs> i agree i agree i also he really taps into again we we know how much um his lyrics are impacted with like scientific knowledge like you think back to aluminum mm. or aluminium mm -hmm. um and <laughs> i did a little research on moonstone actually because i was really curious about this particular um this particular um what do you call it gem mm -hmm. if you will um and 
I found a couple of things that were really interesting that do you know anything about Moonstone anybody I, I looked up a lot of it as well, but I'll, we'll see where our stuff crosses. Yeah, yeah. We'll have you go first. Well, it's usually associated with um, femininity. And um, did you look uh, that up, or did you, you just know it's that? It's definitely a it. more, and this is not to be gender specific. Uh, in some ways, in that it's soft and it can break. Oh, okay, good. It can break. That was interesting. And what I loved is his relationship to the water piece. Because it says it exhibits an optical phenomenon called adula rescence, A D U L A R E S C E N C. Great, everybody. Thank you. Adula rescence. And that means that it's an optical phenomenon that causes a glow on the surface of the moonstone, which he brings this into the tent, much like moonlight would glide brilliant imagery. So that's all I got. Adularescence. They should write a song called the Dula. And, and I, the Sorry, internet was on. going in and out a lot there. So in case it didn't get recorded, I'm I'm going to just kind of repeat. I'm not trying to mansplain, um, I, but but your internet went in and out. So um, for a second there, it sounded like her audio was she was reading a scary story, it's like in a, in a dark, dark. What is house. happening? It worked fine for three hours, and then it's all your fault. It's that's it's it tired. <laughs> So as you were saying, adularescence is that uh, the optical phenomenon that causes the extraordinary glow on the surface of the moonstone, which kind of gives it that same kind of reflection that you see off the top of a lake of, with the moon, um, which is where it gets its name from. So I found a lot of different things about this, this particular, particular gem. And I was interested in like, okay, well, where is Ed going with this? Like he chose to specifically pick this gem and he named the song after it even though he only mentions it once in the song um and to go back really quickly Heidi you said it's a b a b a b a which is interesting because that means that that what I was calling the bridge isn't really a bridge it's it's with with the moonstone it's more like a third verse yeah, I think you're right there. I think it is it is designated as a bridge, and then there's that little instrumental section after it. But I really think of it more as another verse. Yeah. So they didn't vary very far from this. No, one. and it has the same chord progression as the verses do. So it's mm. not like a, a typical BNL bridge. Yeah. So we really should probably call it more like verse three. Um. But it's interesting because you can see like he's trying to, it takes a different form with that third verse, almost like he's trying to do a bridge. He just didn't change the music of it at all. Um, and, and he's trying to highlight what the song is about, which is what B&L does a lot with their bridges. But I still don't understand what he's trying to do with that bridge because I don't understand how Moonstone ties into the rest of this song about his mother, unless... Unless she was big into moonstones or something like that. Or now, she the, has the attributes well, of a moonstone. So let's well, go, like, are the well, soft and, and can break easy? Well, we maybe usually, maternal. Sorry, go ahead, Stefan. Well, I was just going to say, it's like, uh, you know, if you're in the um, into stone energies and whatnot, it's, it's got, um, it has the yin 
energy, which is the feminine energy. It's known for um, usually healing, sometimes for fertility, um, sometimes for motherly protection. Um, um, also, I think like creativity or something like that. I might be off. I don't know. No, but, you, you're uh, that. When I was looking it up, that was all that I was able to find. Was that was that kind of connection? Um, yeah. Was it the big things were one? It's at, like the moon. It's very connected when it's magically connected to stuff, and and it is considered a yeah. um, gem for for magic as well as um, naturalopathic type stuff. Uh, it's considered a healing stone, especially for water signs of the zodiac. Um, but the big thing is, it's supposed to be about healing, accepting change, accepting the fear that comes with change, and balancing emotions. And it's also to it's also like the moon around waxing and waning, which is something that emotions do after grief and loss. Interesting too. I can Aaron's probably gonna you know email eventually and go, Heidi's really wrong on this breakdown. Um, but it does. He's taking a also, break. Too bad for him. It ends on the four chord, which is not a resolution chord. Mm -mm. Like it's not the one chord. Normally you want to go home, right. but the last chord is not, doesn't resolve it. So it's, it's kind of just left into the ether, which I think is an interesting musical choice as well. Yeah, that makes sense. About not, there's no closure. Like that's the thing. There's no closure to it. That would be that would explain why I was always waiting for that. La what I always felt like was that last note in the song that never comes. No, which uh. kind of means he's still not ready to close the chapter on his mother. He still hasn't really come to terms with dealing with that loss yet. He's moving through you don't have to. emotions, and he doesn't have to. Right, and he leaves that as still kind of an open book. And I love that. Some some voids aren't meant to be filled. Like the fact that he is very obscure with where he's going and very metaphorical with where he's going. Yeah. But at the same time, like I did until I read from an interview what this song was about, I did not know what this song was in any way, shape, or form about. And so I I didn't really have an easy time connecting with this song for that reason. Huh. I kind of like the vagueness of stuff like that sometimes um yeah I, you know we just uh yeah so i mean I, it, it can be beautiful without the specific specificity without being specific mm -hmm. about a particular topic i really want to know what tattered <laughs> posters alcohol they wrote your name up there on the wall means like numbers meaningless to me that's why I thought it was the Titanic. What you know? will it do? The to ship disagree. is sinking. You've got tattered posters. Well, and that's what I is it all eight, I six seven five is... three oh nine. Like... <laughs> <laughs> the Jenny. the number on the wall. <laughs> like the the winter algorithm algorithm metaphor. Um, <laughs> did you get algorithm God. from Alleg metaphor? <laughs> Allegory. Oh, that was where I was okay. We got a lot of words tonight, friends. A lot of words. Words are not easy. <laughs> um, <laughs> the the winter analogy, I kind of 
get because his mom died in December um, in, in 2007. So I, I could see how he, in writing this, like winter and, and that period of being dead temporarily can, can definitely make sense. I, I had a harder time with, like you said, the verses and trying to make sense of what he's trying to say. And I think it means a lot to him. I just don't mean, it, never, it doesn't mean anything to me yet. One thing I like about the, the lyrics, even though I agree that they're vague. Now, this is, this. I mean, I actually did, the first time I listened to the song, I, I said uh, pretty pretty quickly into the, the uh, by the second chorus, I said, I bet this is about his mom. And the line that really triggered it for me was, um, shoulder the weight he'll need, which mm-hmm. I thought was a reference to his dad or, or, or you know, um, and, and definitely I did feel like this was a, a song about someone passing. So I, I did say during the listening of the song, I bet this is about his mom's death. Yeah. Um, as far as the lines, yeah, that second verse is, is really, really vague. I do like in the first verse that he repeats that line. Normally I'm not a big fan of that, but I really don't want to bother you is said twice. It, it literally, it's not a rhyme. It's not, it, he doesn't nope. try and come up with a different line. There's something about that I really do like, though. Um, do you think it's like to his father? Because he, it's it almost like I really don't want to want to bother you. I will see this. But the chorus, the second chorus, kind of disputes that. Well, a little bit. They wrote. But at the unless- same time, I'll say many times when I'm hearing that, I hear when when he's singing it, I hear "You will need" rather than "He'll need." It's it, and I know maybe maybe is maybe it written. is the, the lyric the lyric that I looked up says heal and that's kind mm-hmm. of what or maybe is. yeah I don't know like I keep thinking verse two's got to mean something like it's got it does mean I something. mean at first I thought maybe that your sounds like he's somewhere else where maybe they're paying tribute to her or doing something and they they wrote the name on the wall well um, I I do want to point out that. And it's not in a negative context, um, but but Ed's father was known to be an alcoholic. Um, One of the reasons I think that Ed chooses not to actually drink alcohol. um, I don't think he was ever like, I don't think he ever did it to the point that it like affected the family in a negative way. But at the same time, it affected the family in that they, he was known to to drink often and, and a lot. Um, and, and he was a laborer um, and kind of fit that, that portfolio, that, that idol of, of what the laborer is, is, you know, you go out and drink afterwards. Um, so, so it I'm would make total that... sense then that tattered posters, alcohol is reminiscent like of a bar scene and it, it is. Know, his name yeah. is written up on the wall is like, you know, Hey, you know, Trace, you know, Tracy, you know, number one That's guy or something. Kind of what I was thinking, like maybe at like a local scene yeah, or something. Yeah, somewhere where his there. dad yeah. was well known and they mean nothing to Ed because it's not his scene, but it's not worth talking about anymore because 
the death of his mother is really taken over. So he knows that he needs to step in and support his father through this. So, you know, bringing so maybe up- like going to a bar to a remembrance of his mother or, or some kind of gathering right. like that at a bar. I haven't said my point of view. I don't want to bother you. I will really see this whole thing through. I really don't want to bother you, but he's there kind of, he's there with stuff that's meaningless to him. He's getting through this to, to help his dad but it's not not really about him. And like something he wants to say, I mean, I haven't said my point of view, but I don't want to bother you. I'll see this thing through. I don't want to bother you. It's like he's taking on the weight. Like dad, dad isn't able to take this emotionally for whatever reason. So I'm going to be there for her. I will be there during her time of need, um, you know, um, for you. So that's, yeah, I can see that. I will hold her. I will let her I, I will. I will hold her. Yeah, hold her, which is a beautiful line, by the mm. way. I will hold her and let her let her go. I mean, it's just a beautiful. And then the second chorus, absolutely, <laughs> that hits hard. Yeah, uh, short of the weight he'll need. Uh, short of the weight you'll need. Hold her and let her bleed. What did his mom pass of? Do we know? Do you? Know? Um, I don't know. She died at the age of seventy-two, so I don't know if it was. They they didn't give any specifics. Hmm. But what about let her bleed though? Well, yeah, that's what i'm what, wondering what is that i'm, I'm guessing that the, like i said there there are lyrics here that mean a lot to him that we don't know the because we don't know the situation he's mm-hmm. always been very uh confidential and private about that that some of the stuff isn't going to make sense to us right but it sounds almost to me like he was there at the moment of her death and right he was there holding, holding her. her yeah 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 and, right and you know saying goodbye to mm-hmm. her um, which which is where which is where the the bridge is so poignant because i mean he's like moonstone has never shown so bright talking about her like we've talked about the moonstone is it represents femininity and and um so the moonstone has never shown so bright never in its history cold water will wave you goodbye but you're never gone from me um you know basically saying that it's it's never your your light will shine on and it's a really great sentiment mm-hmm. I mean, I was, this is a really I sad a song. And it, like, cold water will wave you goodbye. I I've wondered a lot about that song. That that yeah line. yeah me too yeah. That's why I thought it was about the Titanic. Hmm. No, I, I can see go. I can see that why you would think that. He's sinking in the water. Goodbye. <laughs> hmm. So I, I mean, mean unless... getting back to uh, the topic of his dad in the bar. Like the the last line in the tattered posters um, part, like they wrote your name on the wall, numbers meaningless to me. Mm -hmm. What will it do to disagree? Meaning, it's going to be pointless to question your what what you're doing to medicate or to grieve or to do to do anything. Maybe he found his dad in the bar after his mom past and it's like right. you know why can't why can't we talk about this or why can't we just have a funeral or grieve but he might grieve well, in a different way you, yeah. and it's like what will it do to disagree it mm. won't do anything everybody's going to grieve in their own way yeah well and as far as the bridge a, a lot of people will after cremation if they do cremation will scatter their ashes in the ocean Mm-hmm. And that, to me, 
that's where that bridge kind of makes sense to me. Like maybe that's what happened. I know I'm really stretching here and, and the lyrics are vague and he's not going to tell us, but a lot of people do get cremated and they have their ceremonies at the ocean. And that's what I hear because it's cold water will wave you goodbye. And that's, that's, that's songwriter talk there. That's artist talk. And then, you know, moonstone because the moonstone, as we talked about the luminescence on the water, um, that's, that, that's the image I get from that bridge. It and could see, also be me, talking oh. about the moon moon stone as a whole thing who knows maybe mm-hmm. it was at night or in the evening or something of that nature when they did the ceremony oh yeah yeah well and, and i wonder also like i was taking it from a very metaphorical point of view of the you know he he's doing this winter imagery throughout the song of of snow and you know what happens in the spring when things start to change when is that it obviously becomes cold water and so that that is time moving on that's things continuing and changing but he's not ready to say goodbye like the snow changing to cold water is is a sign of moving on but he's not ready to move on nor is he gonna like his mother go yeah up in canada they don't get a lot of sunlight in the winter do they he's probably it's like, yeah. Is it sar- is dark six months out of the year? No, I'm just <laughs> it's Alaska. <laughs> no, I know that. Yeah. I was being facetious. So Canada's like, oh, them Canadians. Were. I don't know much about that Canada that's right there. I don't know much. I don't know that much about that Canada. <laughs> that Canada. <laughs> they make a good Uh-oh. ginger ale. Okay, I found her obituary. Oh, did you? What? Yep. I did. She passed away at South Lake Regional Health Center, New Market on Saturday, December 13, 2008. Uh, 72. Fondly remembered by her husband, Earl, by her children, Lynn, and her husband, Dennis Bartlett of Arilla, Bonnie and her husband, Frank of Agincourt, Bill and his wife, Angela, and Ed and his wife, Natalie. Wow, they even referred to him as Ed. That's interesting. Of Toronto. Yeah, they Ed Robertson and his wife, Natalie Herbert of Toronto, and the late Doug and all the grandchildren. Doug being Doug, his brother. Doug the brother, yeah. Yeah, and all it says is, and yeah, his brother, right. As an expression of sympathy, donations may be made to the hospital for sick children, but it does not say what she died A lot from. of obituaries don't, though. But, aww. Now I'm reading the, I'm the, the, ho- the messages to her family. I'm pulling up the hospital report. <laughs> And apparently she was a lovely person because I was also reading an article about a school um, and some like there was some kids that sang with BNL at one point and the teacher then became a pen pal of Wilma's. And when his mom died, the teacher sent him some of her letters because Ed had told the teacher that one one of the things he missed most about his mother was her handwriting. Does that break your heart? Oh my gosh. Well, then I need to put that article link in the chat because that'll blow your mind. I still have a lot of things from my mom that she wrote about me. It's called The Teacher and the Rock Star. Yeah. Yep. And my handwriting's a lot like hers. Not like my dad. My dad had like doctor writing. It was like squiggles. But, uh, it's amazing what handwriting means. My best friends, her, her she, we've been best friends since we were 12 and her mother and father have both passed away from cancer. And I was there with her mother at the end of, uh, at the end, like when she was in hospice at home and it was the end days and it was brutal. Sorry, Tracy, did you No, um, it was brutal. And 
<clears throat> she was very, a very Italian family. And so her mom passed. And then a few years ago, I found like on Etsy that you can have a necklace made with the handwriting of someone oh. you loved. So I found Laura May had just, that's my friend's name. She had just sent me a picture a few months before Christmas of a card she had found when she moved. That was like one of the last cards her mother had given her. And it had this lovely message and it said, love mom. So I took the picture sent to this woman on Etsy. She made a necklace and it was like Laura's reaction was so much like my mom is here again, handwriting, which is a lost art now because we don't write letters to our children anymore. We don't write cards as much anymore. Everything is digital or an e-card or an email. So that attachment, I think, especially for those of us our age, like Stephanie, you were saying your mother's handwriting is very similar to yours and it's meaningful. So I just sent you the link to the, it's the article is called the teacher and the rock star. Yeah. Um, and it's just a beautiful story, but that, that line just broke my heart that, you know, he, he the, the teacher basically said um, he, that Wilma passed into it with Tazani and the teacher, the guy didn't learn about her death until some months later. And when I did, I reached out to Ed. He told me how much he missed her. He shared some of the things he missed about her most. And I said, do you want her letters? And Ed didn't know that his mother and I had kept in touch, not to the extent that we did. He didn't know we were pen pals for all these years. And one of the things I'd missed most was her handwriting. Doesn't that break your heart? Oh, it just, Oh, break your heart. And I will be putting that in the liner notes as well for this week if you if people okay. want to read that whole article. It's, it's just a brilliant find. Yeah, it is. I get the handwriting and stuff like that because what I did for my family is um, uh, I, I found these little licenses that both my mom and my dad had. And it has their, their picture. It has their birthday. It has... Uh, has like their stats, like how tall they are, what color eyes they were, like all these little things. I'm like, you know what? It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to put in like a little, um, uh, a time capsule thing. So I'm, I'm going to put those with, uh, with the urn that I'm going to bury. That way, if anybody recovers them, they're like, oh, wow, look at this. It's like, this is who it was. And it has images of them and who, you know, their signatures even. And that's um, an amazing idea. So yeah, so that's why I included with uh, with things. So um, they wanted to be buried um, <laughs> on some beach sand. So I found my uh, an old an old chafing dish from my mom's circular, like but two inches or three inches high, cobalt blue, her favorite color. Uh -huh. Put the sand in there. Put the urn in there. Put the uh, uh, the uh, little cards. Uh, inside of that and then i i took a, a metal bucket that i think was i think my mom painted and then i covered the entire thing and then i covered it with with dirt after after i laid my cat in there as well in her blankie so yeah i, I get the handwriting i, I hope, definitely I hope get it was the somewhat healing to do that uh yeah yeah i felt pretty decent afterwards um it felt weird Hmm. but uh you know it has had to be done i mean i can't hem and haw about it i have to face hard hard stuff every now and then yeah so even though you know my mom passed in 
2006 and my dad passed in 2013. So it's still really, really difficult. Yeah. It, it, it's not easy to, to lose those people. No, no, not at all. And, and speaking I, I, of which, Ed lost his dad not long after <clears throat> losing his mom. Uh, within six months? Uh, about a year and a half. Okay. So. Usually when couples are, are bonded strongly, yeah, it's usually within six months. Yep. They can't survive without the other. Yeah, then my in-laws, they were in their 80s, but it happened like that for my husband's parents. Yeah. It was it was really unfortunate. Um, but his mother then had Alzheimer's, so it was a little longer, but not much. But it was they they'd been married for 60 some odd years. So wow. it was like yeah. their first love. They'd been married since they were, mm-hmm. you know, teenagers, yeah. uh, which was very common in the 1930s. So uh, they were bonded. Yeah yeah connected yeah and you know facing loss of your parent like my father had another cancer surgery this week he he suffered from esophageal cancer a few years ago and beat it stage 3b and we got off the grid and that next day or that day that we got off the grid i had a phone call saying call your call me or your father my stepmother call me or your father I was like, oh no, grandma did something happen to grandma. No, my, my dad's like, so I have colon cancer now, <laughs> but he, so he had the surgery the other day at a, um, at the um, VA hospital in Vermont, um, which is, <laughs> I'm walking through the place. It was very confusing. And I was like, this is like a third world hospital. It was really like, I, I was like, how can my father get great care here? I was a little concerned, um, but he did. And he came through the surgery just fine. And he's home resting right now, but he's a vet. <laughs> like he's like, he does not go to doctors. He does not like pain. He does not like needles. He does not like hospitals. Like, and Boy. he just, he'll suffer through just about anything because he's, he's just a badass guy, but <laughs> man, I'm like, you can't do this one more time, but early death runs in my father's family. So like his, his father and, and his father's father both passed in their early sixties and my dad has already beat that by like seven or eight years. My dad's 68. So he's always contemplating that idea of death and, and, and I'm sure processing, like, am I gonna, am I gonna make it to 70, which is unusual for the men in my family. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can't escape it. No, you can't death and taxes. Right. I mean, Ben Franklin was right, but I mean, and hearing Ed's perception of his parents' loss, at least artists have that filter and that funnel in which to put their thoughts and processes through. And even though I can't understand all of the lyric analysis, and I'd love to just talk to him, and I know it would never be a subject he would want to broach because it's probably very emotional, mm. um, but it's not cut and dry, as is dealing with the death of anybody is not cut and dry. You know, there are numerous layers. Here we go with layers again, Jeff. Um, layers to relationships. And, you know, it, from everything that I've read about Wilma Robertson, 
um, lovely, caring, brilliant grandmother, you know, one of those, but I'm sure there were many layers to that story and layers within the family. And, you know, like you have with any relationship, there are good moments with your parents and not good moments with your parents. Um, and then, so there's a lot to unpack when your, your parent goes. So and supporting the other one. And supporting the other and one. I, and right. I kind of wonder if that's the reason he was so vague with this song about it is that it it was personal to him and he needed to excise and express mm. the emotions that were kind of going on with this major thing that had happened in his life. I mean, he, he had had several major losses within a very short period of time when this album came out between, I mean, his brother Doug had died much earlier, but it was still, you know, death will bring up all the old losses that you have yes. and reopen those wounds. Um, but then his mother and then his father and also Steve, who was like a brother to band. him, leaving the, right. like it, the major, major hits to, to his, and then also his own jet crash within a, right. a two year period, all these big things had happened in his life. So I, I'm wondering if this is his way of, well, I'm, I'm almost certain this is his way of kind of excising and, and expressing those emotions, but at the same time, wanting to keep them kind of personal and, and to himself as well and keep the, a little bit of that secrecy because it is so private. Well, mm. with all that loss, you should have won a Grammy. Yeah. You know, I mean, look what no Adele, for <laughs> Pete's sake, that's fuel. <laughs> Did fire. Taylor Swift ever write a song that wasn't about loss in some way? She does She's... it just to write songs for well, Pete's sake. And this song is musically beautiful. I mean, we haven't talked a lot musically about this song, but the harmonies in this, I think, are some of the best harmonies that BNL does. The I harmonies, think... and I would also add um, Kevin's piano work. Oh my God, Kevin's incredible. piano Incredible, they are the arpeggios that start in the bridge that go into the third so chorus beautiful. are phenomenal. And Tyler's percussion on this is really good. Absolutely. And, you know, Kevin's piano playing is very adolescent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's very, it's, it's very reminiscent of that visual mm -hmm. to me. Yeah. He, he replicated that in his playing, which Kevin so often does. And I was listening to, uh, eight, one of the H-Wing albums on my way home today. Uh, shoot, I can't remember what it was. And I was like, oh my gosh, like there's so, there's so some things that Kevin just does so dang well. And I think visualizing, creating a musical visualization mm. is is something he's so good oh, at. Yeah. Yeah. I thought so, it was just a sense. beautiful song. Um, I think well, that Mr. Gonna... Olson, everything, the singing was superb. I Everything in the song for me was just beautiful. And the other thing I, I want to give credit to Tyler, because I don't think we often give Tyler enough credit. Is he I'm part gonna, of the band? <laughs> um, I'm going to say that like this is Tyler because it's, I don't know specifically, we don't have a lot of liner notes about this song. Um, that being said, there is, when we talk about that, uh, the the opulence of the water and how you know when we think of what sun and moon light does on water we think of it as as sparkling and and tinkling and there is a triangle that is very sparse in the song but it comes in at just the right moments that um, once again painting that picture of the 
the water, the sun on the water or the moon on the water, that triangle really does that. And it really kind of hit home number of times when I was listening to this, it, it really kind of comes out and just flushes out a lot of that. Hi, this is Tracy here and coming in from the editing room as I'm editing this episode, uh, I was listening to the song again and, and piecing in pieces of the song. And I noticed something that I never noticed before. Between the first verse and second verse, there is a little bit of chatter in the background as it gets quiet. I don't know if it's there the whole song, but it's in there just kind of in the background. I think that's really cool. And maybe that adds another layer of message to this that I didn't know. Like maybe this is either about the bar, as we were saying, or or the chatter sounds like something you would have maybe during a funeral, like when people are at the wake afterwards. Um, so that is kind of neat too. I wanted to make sure I pointed that out and I'll put in a little slice right here. And just for the audience, I'm gonna amplify that a little bit. Hopefully I don't blow out your speakers. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And I was I was just thinking about his use of the four to five chord progression at the beginning of the chorus, the I will, and that leading, because that four chord leads to that five chord so nicely, but it's not home. It's like he's stretching for the I will four to the five. And it's almost like he has to pull himself along. Like the way he sings it, it's like he's willing himself to move forward. It's it's this, in, at least in my mind, it was like he's willing himself in that simple chord change from the four to five, which is not a big step. But when you're dealing with loss, it's a huge step. The smallest steps can be really big. Um, and just to, again, end on that four chord where it just that's as far as he can go right now he can't get home and yeah, he can't get to the five it's music chord, painting yeah yeah but he can get to the four and that's as far as he can go right mm. now it's a music dork kind of analysis yeah. view of it's it left but... left unresolved right i was just yeah randomly and i could be way but not even to the five chord jeff he right. only goes to the four yeah yeah which so it's the even four chord less... always wants to go somewhere so it's yeah always <laughs> like yeah, and it's not even Sub, a deceptive cadence. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. just it's landing on that subdominant. Yeah. So it's it's very interesting choices musically he's making with the chord progressions that are unique in this song that aren't used in a lot of his other songs. So uh, yeah, I think it's just a, it's beautiful Do you in think so many ways. This comes from like a musical knowledge or background, or do you think it's oh, yeah. just like, hey, this sounds good? And they just seem to be, you know, a blind pig striking the acorn here. Um, it's always the question, isn't it? Oh, well, did the writer use water because they wanted purity and, you know, they wanted, you know, baptism, you know, those things. It's like, do we know what he meant? I like to think so because they're really intelligent musical well, and, choices. And I think it's very, yeah. I mean, they were very focused, Stephen especially, but even Jim and, and Andy and Tyler. Um, and I don't know a lot about Kevin's musical upbringing, but they were all very 
they were all brought up in music theory and and musical families and it was a big part of their upbringing right. um you know when people talk about the beatles uh. like they did things by feeling and choice and and not understanding musical theory but just naturally having that kind of acclimation to to being able to do it and then later on people broke it down and said how um, how in, intelligent it was i think bnl really was raised and, and taught in music theory and so when they make a lot of their choices they make it very um yeah. specifically and consciously consciously and i think it's hard not to be because even thing with music if you're if you're learning an instrument or you do music even if you're a singer you don't don't play an instrument eventually it starts to grow on you like at some point in the journey you have to learn that part of it or you start to realize it um it was like when i started doing guitar because i wanted to actually play guitar with my songs within months even though the guitar courses i was using didn't do music theory and you know, although i do have a background it just it, it comes on you like you you know when you play a, a four chord like like Heidi was saying you know when you play a subdominant chord this has to go somewhere it's just the sound of that four chord and you like you could just hear it like this needs to go somewhere um it's just like uh um the sus chords the like the suspended chords on a guitar it has to go somewhere and when it doesn't it's if it's it's jarring um so i don't know i i think it's kind of a combination of both i think i think ed definitely has the background to know that this chord was supposed to go somewhere that he left at, and that was intentional because he's unresolved. It's it's still the, the process hasn't you know resolved itself. And there are not a whole lot of songs in the popular lexicon that don't resolve, right. and those that do, you notice. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I do the same things when it like if you're watching like um, television shows, um, the opening song or whatever on the the theme song to television shows and the West wing one has always stuck in my head because it doesn't resolve just like the presidency never resolves. There's always somebody going into that spot. There's mm -hmm. always things that are going on. There's never really true closure, even if somebody goes out and the West wing has always been that, that theme song. Now you're going to go look it up. It doesn't resolve at the right. end. It just hangs off. And so I've often used that as a point of discussion with my students of why did the composer make this choice? Because when it doesn't happen, you notice more than when it does. So it's a very, it's a very intelligent musical choice, as Jeff was saying, because that's, that's done on purpose, because you know, as a yeah. singer songwriter, and I've written lots of songs, and you make those decisions, mm -hmm. like, well, do I want it to go home? Uh, and then do I want to end it with a 5-1 cadence? Like, what do I want to do? And the, the, the comfortable and choice is always to end back at that bass note. You always go back to that bass note. You want to go home. You want to go home. And, and so when you don't, mm. it's, yeah, it's it's a choice. Yeah, it's like if I sat down at the piano right now and went, dee, 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 it's like yes yes exactly yeah, that's it what hurts it is your yeah. brain right <laughs> so you we all have this this need to resolve mm -hmm. and it's a it's a it's a literal and a figurative need i think and and the fact that he doesn't resolve impacts us more because there's so much more out there that he needs to deal with 
or, you know, and there's more story to tell and he's, he's going to continue processing because you never fully say well, goodbye. And it does wrap life. back to the beginning because at the beginning he wants to tell something, but I don't want to bother you. So right. what he wanted to say at the beginning, he never said it could be the possible mm. thing. What, what was on his mind? What was, what was weighing him down? What was on his shoulders? Hmm. He, he hasn't resolved it. <laughs> it was snow. <laughs> does, that, does that line confuse anybody else, too? Because when you, you, it's not saying I will shovel the winter snow. What do you, do you shoulder snow? Like, I think it means is like it the, the weight like, of like snow? To bear the weight, yeah. To bear right. the weight. Well, of, I think once uh, again, he's using that analogy of. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> You can say hi. Um, hi. I think he's using that Good analogy night, because her mom, his Love mom you. died You're in right December. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point mm-hmm. too. And and, really and winter is considered kind of the dark time. It's the the winter of our discon- mm-hmm. uh, discontent. You know, it's it's always considered that that darkest time of the year. Um, before the spring, before rebirth, before things grow again, right. before you can start over. And when you're in the winter, it's also you're in the end of your life. It's like right. winter, it's spring relationships. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're like you're in the winter years of your the life. The winter soldier, yeah. you know. Right, right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. A yeah, hazy shade of winter, yeah. which was better done by Simon and Garfunkel than it was the Bangles. It's oh, yeah. That- <laughs> which I like, I like both versions, by the way. I do too. I gotta <laughs> yeah. admit, I really dig I the do, Bengals I version. I, I think the they way the Bengals covered. Anyway, we just yeah, veered. Sorry, sorry Tracy. That's Jeff sorry. and I are going to be over here starting our own show about random crap. Jeff and Heidi and random crap. It's going to be a good show. Yeah, what, I, yeah. what I think is kind of cool is that several times this week, and but very specifically tonight, as we were talking about resolution another song kept popping into my head and it was off the same exact album, but it wasn't off the same exact album. And that it was another song that was left off the official album, but it's what they named the album, but it, it's my, my brain naturally <clears throat> wanting to resolve. And that's all in good time, which is that, that positive kind of focus of like, I will heal eventually and it's just my my brain naturally mm-hmm. wants to go to that like feeling better moment and not let myself think about the the bitterness that this right. song kind of leaves right. us in. Yeah, I'm an o- I, I have OCD. I've, I've I've had OCD for 45 years, and and one of the big things about uh, the condition is that you know we all want closure. Mm-hmm. But I think that's all of us. I think that there's some comfort that comes from that. We all want that closure that comes from a resolution. And I think that, uh, you know, that's part of it. When you deal with loss and grief, you're always, what's, what's the first thing you say is, when will this get better? Um, you know, when will I feel better? When will I deal with this? And, you know, and I think that's, that's kind of the, what the song is going for. It's like, when will I feel better? And Ed has dealt with a lot of life, loss in his life did songs about his brother. Um, he did songs about his mom. I mean, Ed has found a good way to find catharsis in, in mm-hmm. loss uh, through writing about it. Um, and I think that's one. I'm really sad that he left this song off this album because this album. I, I am, I am too. This, this could be an album track. <clears throat> yeah, it could be. I, I, I get, I get his rationale for it. I get his 
well, it's not even a rationale. I get his emotional reason for doing that. It the 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 song wasn't about Steve. It couldn't go on the album. <laughs> well, that was my point. Was like this song, this this album as a whole is all about grief and loss, really, in a lot of ways. And so this, in, in many yeah, ways, this yeah. song, which that was lost too. I mean, yeah. him losing Steve was lost. I mean, let's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this this song actually would have fit. It could have, it could have essentially yeah. been losing another brother in a yeah. way. A friend, a good friend, a brother. I, I mean, for that reason, watching this song go, all yeah. the time, I would say actually belong on this album, right? And some other I would, songs I would agree with that. Have yeah. been taken off. I agree. Really, yeah. that's what the theme of this album really should yeah. have been. Right. This is an amazing song. It really is. Uh, I can't remember the song that we did before McDonald's Girl that I I ranked quite high. But that wasn't on. Um, uh, maybe not. Maybe uh, not. Um, maybe. Uh, maybe. Maybe you're right. right. You're, you may be but right. I don't think so. Maybe you're right. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you're right, right. But I don't think uh, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you scored that really five, highly. You thought that was a, thought nailed, like a masterpiece. It. Yeah. Um, and that wasn't on an album. Either, uh, no, that correct? one was. Yeah. It was, <laughs> that it was, was on, on the album. album. That one really okay. doesn't get recognized as an album. <laughs> Uh, Even though it's got like 80 <laughs> songs on it. Everyone always forgets <laughs> that double album. You know, I'm looking at the tracks on this album right now, and you're right. It's a pretty, it's a really interesting mix because you've got some Jim, Jim stuff. You've got mm-hmm. some Ed or some Kevin stuff. And then you've um, got the sliding <laughs> prison song. Well, that's kind of about right. loss, maybe. Uh, loss. <laughs> Bye, and, prison. And you could, I mean, I, I would I definitely like to put Moonstone and All in Good Time in place of a couple of those. I like Jerome, but it doesn't feel like it belongs on this album. I, agree, I, like, I like Jerome, like a, yeah. yeah. I was just going to say Jerome would be the first to go for me. I, I, I enjoy it, but it wouldn't be what I would keep on um, this album because of the theme. Summertime, yeah. I would keep on there. I like watching the Northern Lights. I would keep Summertime because it's another, it's a lighter song. Um, you know, we're get, we're gonna get we're gonna get to our restructuring of the albums later on. <laughs> okay, but I think you're right to go back to the other idea. Moonstone yeah. and All in Good Time should be on the main track and not just mm-hmm. bonus tracks. Jeff, what are our ratings for this song? I think in honor of what the song is about and and because of Ed's, you know, um, emotional attachment to the song and everything, I think we should rank this on a scale of zero to five Wilma's. Ooh, I like that. I of like what? that. Zero to five Wilma's. Oh, Wilma's. That's oh. his mom. I'm like, what's mom? Wilma's. Yeah, who the song is about. In honor of Ed's mom. I like that. I like that. Who's too. going first? Um, let's start with okay. Stefan tonight. I like it when I go first. <laughs> I usually end pretty quick anyway. Uh, <laughs> I know. Uh, sorry, <laughs> Wilma. Um, but uh, I love the song. Uh, it starts off instrumental and it just is beautiful to listen to. And the, the singing is dead on. Um, and it's a serious song and it's heartfelt and they give it 120% effort in the whole thing. And the piano is superb. Uh, the triangles and the, the instrumentals is just, it's just awesome. 
It's just a great, great song. It's well put together. Uh, it's not cut and dry as far as lyrically. Um, and that's fine. But it's it's catchy. It's uh, easy listening. Um, and it's just, it's right there, 100% through the whole thing. And um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to rank it quite high. Uh, I'm going to say this is a, a good 4.9 for me. I don't know why, why wow, I haven't okay. given it a 5. I don't know because I ranked 1 a 5. And I don't know. I don't want to compete, I guess. But um, I don't know. It's, it's right there for me. That's a good. That's a good rating. Thank good you. rating. Okay. All right. Um, I will go. Um, <clears throat> I do like this song a lot. There's a lot I love about the song: the piano work, the percussion. Like I said, this is probably my one of, if not my favorite, one of my favorite Ed vocals of all time. He, he sounds fantastic on this song, and knowing what the song is about, it's obviously wanted to sell it. Um, this song means a lot to him and it's a, it's, it's a great, great song. I love, like I said, that first chorus that that's, that's an artistic choice to repeat a, a repeat a line in a, in a verse. And that, I, I love that. Um, where I struggle with the song is something that we talked about. It's hard to get all the references. I mean, we know what it's about, whether you just get it, you do the research, you know what it's about, but it's hard to relate to the song as a song. Um, it's hard for me to put myself in this song because of, you know, certain lines, tattered, postered, alcohol. I, I don't know everything about the song. I mean, this is a songwriter song. Um, so I can't rank it as high for that reason. That said, I do love it. I think it's a beautiful song. Um, uh, it's definitely up there. I'm going to give this one a 3.7. Uh, Heidi. Um, I love the song as well. I think the more I analyzed it quarterly and, and really looked at the structure of the, of the song. And then with the exception of that, that one verse, and I agree with Jeff on that, like that one, I can't wrap my head around because it seems like it's an outlier in the rest of the song. Like he's trying to say something there. But because we don't know what it is, it's hard to really have a full understanding. But the rest of it is so beautiful. And in honor of what appears to be a great woman and a great tribute to a great woman, I'm going to give it, a, I'm going to give it 4.6 Wilmas. All right. And that leaves me and Tracy. Um, I, I think it's a beautiful ballad. Um, the only problem is it doesn't mean much to me. Um, I can tell it mean, meant a lot to him. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but I also don't think that I'm totally understanding everything he's trying to say. And I've never lost anyone that close to me at this point in my life. Um, that being said, knock on the wood that is surrounding me. Um, I, I want to let people know that my score doesn't reflect how important the song is to Ed or how beautiful the song is. It's not about yeah. that. It, my, Same with me. My subjective exactly. rating yeah. is totally based on the fact that it, it just hasn't touched me yet at this point in my life. And that's most likely because I haven't had that loss. Um, so for me, I'm going to give it a 3.8. Hmm. Yes. And I concur with what Tracy said. I mean, I'm not, my score does not reflect the fact that this obviously means something to the person who wrote it. Hey, that by rank I totally pretty freaking that. High. I was, 
<laughs> I'd say that, well, but you've pretty freaking high. Close. And I didn't. <laughs> you've had a, you've had a lot of close losses. Yeah, but too. I didn't know what this song was about. I literally thought it was about the Titanic. But um, uh, but yeah, I've I've lost everybody. I've lost grandparents on both sides. I've lost my mom, my dad, my dog, my cat, mm-hmm. my wife. I've lost everybody. So. And I think even if you don't know what the song is about, it can. You have us. Yeah. You have We're us. Here. And uh, uh, fortunately, it's We're like in my life. How long? How, how many times do I keep coming back? <laughs> Every week. It's got to mean Every week. something. Every week. But I think Every that night. also speaks a lot to the song. And I think the numbers speak a lot to the song. I think the more loss that you've had in your life, it does speak to you. Even if you don't know what it yeah. means, it, it, there's a resonance that it, it creates. Sure. I mean, I've, I've lost people. I mean, I get that. I've lost people in my life. I mean, I've lost all four grandparents at this point. I've lost uh, friends, you know, close friends. Well, same as me, but I haven't lost parents. I haven't lost, I haven't lost my brothers or sisters. Um, right. I've not. Yeah, exactly. Right. Same here. But um, yeah. So, I mean, I get, you know, the pain that comes with that, but um, like I said, it just, it, I think the song is specific to the writer. Yeah. And that makes it, as a song, it makes it hard for me to completely relate to it. Yeah. Um, the appearance for this week, because it, I'm talking of things that make me cry. Uh, this song didn't really make me cry that much. But one of the things that did make me cry is um, the Bare Naked in America bonus video, where they recorded the concert for that they used the pieces of for Bare mm-hmm. Naked in America. And at 16 minutes and 45 seconds, Kevin comes out onto stage now for people that don't know this is the concert that kevin came back for just for a couple of songs because he had just come back from i cry every time i see that part and they announced him and i every time i just the tears start flowing because to have him coming back out after all of that cancer treatment the way they treat him as he comes out and he's like the fan favorite of the the crowd at that moment and they do call and answer along with a bunch of other songs, a couple more with him, and then back to Chris Brown. But it just it, is that the one too, though, where the keyboard wasn't working. Yes. And then he sits down, and it's 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 like magic. It's the moment he has to play the solo section, the keyboard just bursts to life. It's one of the most incredible musical moments I've ever seen. Like it's like he's just trying like he's playing and then all of a sudden it goes and he just comes back to life it's it's such a moment I get especially after oh me too i'm thinking about it right now oh <laughs> as i get it i get the chills like just thinking about it because it, it is just one of those magical moments those magic moments um well you know what it's getting kind of late i'm gonna cut us off we're, we're gonna be talking next week about family again but hopefully next week it will be in a much more upbeat way um you know thankfully because it is a snack time song so you know next week join us as we discuss something i've never had which is a big sister i love this song <laughs> i love my big sister but i don't like her
clothes. <laughs> I don't want to wear her clothes. I, I love that song so much. Oh, we're going to have a discussion. I just sang it from oh. <laughs> Snack time songs are always tricky for us. They are tricky, but as a mom who raised Actually, her son I, on it. If, like, if I remember correctly, I think like my worst joke on the podcast was during a snack time. <laughs> I got, I got cut, obviously. but I'll go get my book and, and bring it for next week because I have the book and it's signed oh. by all. Like, oh, oh. That is oh a yeah, gift. it is a gas, <laughs> which I got. I'm so excited. I love my big sister. Thanks. That was fun. Don't forget. No regrets. Except maybe one. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.